Welcome to another powerful message recorded live at Christ Encounter Ministries in Longobon. We trust that you'll be truly encouraged and blessed by this message. Welcome family to another edition, can I say edition, of Christ Encounter Ministries. You're also welcome, and I just want to welcome those listening and those watching. Family, can we give all our listeners and watchers a nice, big, warm welcome? <laughs> Praise Jesus. So, family, let's just get me out the way, and let's get the Holy Spirit, because He is the teacher. Amen? Amen. Spirit of the living God, I humbly submit to you now. I make myself nothing more than a vessel. For your glory and your honor. I know where I was, Lord, when I found you. I was nothing. I am nothing without you. But there's nothing that I cannot do with you. This word is not my own, Father. And I'm not competent to teach it. So, Spirit of the living God, I beseech you, Lord, according to Matthew 10, verse 20, that you will preach this word in and through me now to your children. I'll be careful not to take any glory. How can I, Lord? Nothing more than a mouthpiece or a paintbrush in a master's hand. So glorify yourself, my Lord. In and through me now, speak to your children with power, with authority, carried by your spirit, unhindered by anything. In Jesus' name, and if you believe it, say amen. amen. Now say this in faith. I declare that my spiritual ears are open. My heart is receptive to receive. Only that which you, Holy Spirit, are saying to me today. Spirit of the living God, speak to me. I am listening. Family, we're on a very important series, Faith to Make It, because how many of you know that in this, in this era of mankind, we need faith to make it? Nothing else will put us in the position or the driving seat or give us the ability to make it. As I said, unless you have strong faith to stand, you will not have a leg to stand on. Amen? So we need to know and understand what is this faith and how to apply this faith. And we learned last week and the weeks before. How many of you heard last week's message? Raise your hands. Awesome. It's wonderful. That's so wonderful. How many of you didn't share last week's message? Raise your hand. Shame on you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> joking, I'm joking. How many of you don't have hands? <laughs> Family, I really encourage you to listen to that message. It's so essential and it builds the foundation to where we are going. We discussed last week that the Bible is our survival guide. Amen? Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11... These things happen to them as examples for us. And that was talking about the Israelites, the, the whole Old Testament. These things happen to them as examples for us. They were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Now, we are definitely smack in the middle of the end of the ages. Amen. So it is our instruction manual. It is our survival guide. And we need to do what the survival guide says. It doesn't help having it. I mean, you can take a survival guide and go walk in the desert. But unless you actually do what it says, how many of you know that it's not going to help you? Amen? Then we 
we're studying the examples of Joshua because the Joshua example where Joshua and all the Israelites were coming into the promised land and they had these impossible giants to face, much like the impossible giants we face today. And God gave him very explicit instructions on what to do because those giants were impossible to, to, to beat, right? No matter how much in the natural they trained and prepared, they could never overcome those giants because it was only by faith that they could do this. And so God gave them these instructions and he said, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Only be strong and very courageous that you may do according to the law. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. So we see here that unless he'd done what the word said, he would not prosper. In order for him to have success and to prosper, he had to be strong and he had to be courageous, not in the natural, but to do what the survival guide says. Amen. Amen. Nothing in the natural will give you the victory. We have to function in a different realm of faith. The Bible says the just will live by faith. How often do you live? All the time. Then we went on to the next lesson, which we have been learning now. And that was Joshua 1 verse 8. We said this word, which is Bible scripture, shall not depart out of thy mouth. This book of the law, which is Bible scriptures, must always be on your lips. How much? Always. Always. Why? Because Proverbs 18 verse 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wow. Now God's not just going to put that in there to have a nice catchphrase, you know. We have to listen. We have to take cognizance of this fact. Life and death are are in the power of your tongue. And those who indulge in it, those who like to speak, will eat the fruit of what they are saying. Life or death. We looked at a very powerful example of how Jesus used his faith. Amen. In the previous uh, teaching on Mark 5 verse 21. Because we also shared with you that the scripture says that Jesus is our example. Amen. Those who claim to live in him, those who claim to be Christians must walk like he does. Amen? Don't tell me you are a Christian, but you're living and acting like the devil. Because you're not. Sorry, family, I have to tell you the truth. And the word is there to get us in line. Not to condemn us. To teach us. To show us the right way. Because the Bible says there's a way that seems right. Amen? There's a way that seems right. I was on that way. I I thought I was on the right path, but the the end will lead to destruction. Family, I don't want to face Jesus one day and and, and realize that I was deceived. Realize that my theologies and my uh, whatever that I've made up in my mind was all wrong. Eternity is too much to play around with. Amen? Eternity is serious. This life is like a, like a CV for eternal life. People place so much um, focus on this life. But the Bible says your life is like a vapor. 
Amen. And one day we will stand before Jesus. And every day, every moment is an opportunity to make sure that we are on track. You know, the Bible says in the end days, the very first thing, the very first sign, Jesus said, make sure that you are not deceived. Because there is so much deception. Amen. The churches are so scared of telling the truth. Of fear of offending people because they want people in the church. But you know what? I'm not moved by that because I don't need to do this. Amen. I don't need to do this. So I will tell you the truth. And I said last week, I would rather be slapped with the truth than kissed with a lie. How many of you want the truth? Amen. So that we can make the adjustments. And like I said last week, if God's telling you to do something or not to do something, he's not trying to take the fun out of things because that's what I thought. I lived 15 years, the worst sinner you can imagine. And at the time, I thought I loved it. I thought to, to let go of all of these things and become this Christian, what I perceived, it seems so impossible for me because I like to sin. And only later did I realize that that which I thought was so important and for me to go back to that like I taught in the past matches, it's like a, like a dog going to its vomit. Those things that I held so dear that kept me from real life, real blessings. Family, if this life I was living now was not as good as I'm saying it is, I would turn back. I would turn back. But I run from that family. There is nothing like serving Jesus. Nothing. Amen. And everything he tells us is for your own good. Right? Praise Jesus. So now we're going to look at another example in a very serious situation. How many of you are facing serious situations? If I had more hands, I would raise them. Amen. Okay, so I'm not alone here. Okay, those who never raise your hands, why don't you pray for me, please? Amen? Amen. So we're going to look at a very serious situation. And Jesus is our example. And we're going to learn again, how do we face the problems of life? And we all know that the greatest problem in life is death. Right? We can always try and fix things in the natural. But the greatest problem in life, the problem of problems... Is death. So Jesus went straight to that problem. And in this scripture, we're going to go beyond death. We're going to go take it even a step further. And Jesus is going to teach us and show us how to exercise our faith. John 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany. The village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary was uh, whose brother Lazarus was now sick. Was the same one who poured the perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus and said to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now right there, we might think, oh, well, hang on a second. Now Jesus has got favorites. Or God has got favorites, right? The one you love is sick. But family, that's not the truth. 
How many of you remember that Jesus Christ was and is the image of God? If you want to get to know God the Father, you get to know Jesus. And you can do that by reading the epistles from Matthew onwards. Then you can see the heart of God. Amen. Because Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, He, which is Jesus, is the sole expression of the glory of God. And He is the perfect imprint. And the very image of God's nature, God's personality. And Romans 2 verse 11 says that God does not show favoritism. So let's dig in a little bit deeper here. Why would they say that? You see, family, God is madly in love with everyone equally. All of mankind. And what he will do for any one person, he will do for anyone else. The only difference with Lazarus is he had a revelation of the love of Jesus and he took advantage of that love. And by him taking advantage of that love, it looked like he was Jesus' favorite. We have another example from John who wrote the epistles, and this is how he described himself. John 13 verse 3. Now they're leaning on Jesus' bosom. Now this is John. He's describing himself. One of his disciples whom Jesus loves. <laughs> how awesome is that? He describes himself, I am the one that Jesus loved. Amen. But there are no favorites. He was taking advantage of the love, the unconditional love of God. And the scripture says, now leaning on Jesus' bosom, not only was he sitting next to Jesus, he was lying on his chest, just loving him and just taking advantage of all the love of Jesus. Listening to the heartbeat of the creator of all things. Wow. Can you imagine that? Feeling the warmth of his flesh. The warmth of his love. That is so amazing. And family, in the same way he loves you. Any one of you can fall back into the arms of Jesus and you know I've got good news for you. It was good news for me. Because John 6 verse 37 says that everyone the Father gives me will come to me and I will never reject them. Amen? Praise Jesus. So family, so we see you in a very negative situation. In a very serious situation. Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is near death. Now what does Jesus do? He does not acknowledge the problem. Same like last week. He ignores death and what does he do? He speaks love. Because he says in John 11 verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No. It is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now people think God caused it. No, he didn't cause it. Amen. But he was going to use it to glorify himself. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick... You've got to catch the statement. He loved them. And so when he heard that he, that he was sick, out of love, he stayed there two more days. Wow. That seems a bit messed up, right? Amen. 
You see family. We learn from this, and I'm going to touch on what I've just touched on a little bit later, but I don't want to lose this initial part of the scripture. We're in this negative situation. Jesus did not acknowledge the, the problem. He spoke words of life into the problem because family, now listen to me very carefully. When you are standing face to face with the giant's, in life, the problems in life, especially the impossible giants, you need faith. Amen? And faith is expressed by our words. Amen? You cannot think faith. You cannot hope faith. You cannot only believe faith. Faith is expressed primarily through our words. Amen. Remember last week, Jesus came right to that, that girl that had died. He never said a negative word when the, when the people came and spoke negative. He ignored them. He didn't acknowledge it. He went there and what, well, this girl had just died. And he said to them, well, why are you all so confused? Why are you crying? She's just sleeping. Amen. And only at the point when he got to her and he laid his hands on her and he spoke was faith released. The word says, James 2 verse 26, faith without works is dead. You could even say it like this, faith without words is dead. Amen. Family, listen carefully to this statement. Whenever you are facing a negative situation, the very worst thing that you could ever do is say something negative. Amen? Think about that. And that's what we're all programmed to do, right? You see, family, because when we speak negative into the situation, we begin to cooperate in faith with the situation. Because the scripture says in Matthew 18 verse 19, the law of agreement, again truly, you know when Jesus says truly, you've got to take note. Amen. He didn't just say, look, I'm, I'm telling you this, he said, listen again, you have to hear what I'm saying. Truly, I tell you this, that if two of you agree about anything that they ask for, it will be done for them. So you have to be very careful with who and what you are cooperating with. Amen? Yes. You've got to be very careful about who you are speaking to about the challenges you are facing. You don't want pity. Listen, if I'm facing problems, I don't want your pity. I want you to stand next to me, shoulder for shoulder, and to speak life into the situation of death. I don't need no pity. I don't need no death. I do not want to cooperate with death. Amen. It's, and family, it's, it's important not to say anything negative. But it is even more important to say something positive. Always think about who are you joining your faith with? What are you cooperating with? What are you agreeing with? Is it life? 
is a death. Jesus didn't say words of life come from death. Neutral words mean nothing and words of death come from death. No, it's life, it's death. You are either promoting the problem or you're promoting the solution. Which one is it? And if you're concerned about the in-between, the word says every careless word, we can say that in-between, you will give an account of. Amen? We discussed last week that our words carry the power of life and death. It carries great responsibility. Like if you had a firearm and you're walking around carelessly shooting a firearm, you will be taken before the judge to give an account of how you have been taking care of that. The Bible says the same. Every careless word you will give an account of. Why? Because you're created in the image and the likeness of God. That very creative spirit is in you. Amen? Say this. The worst thing I could ever do. Let's try that again. Can everybody say this? Say this. The worst thing I could ever do. In a negative situation. Is say something negative. I must never miss an opportunity. To defy the negative circumstances. And speak life or positivity in opposition, in defiance against the negativity. Amen. We read on from John 11 verse 11. Now after he had said this, he went on to tell them, he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. But Jesus had not been speaking of he uh, had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that he wasn't there. For your sake, I'm glad that he died is what he was saying. So that you, okay. so that you may believe. <laughs> hey, we're still trying to get this whole church thing figured out. Who would have thought? I mean, give us a break. I mean, <laughs> we like the motley crew chosen by God to do this church thing. Wow, blows my mind. <laughs> Praise Jesus. So the scripture says he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. That word plainly in the original text is the word parousia. That means bluntly. The definition of bluntly in the Cambridge Dictionary means a way of speaking in a way that you say what you think without being polite. Without being sensitive to the other person's feelings. So God could have said something, or Jesus could have said something like this in our modern day dialect. Listen, you numbskulls. Lazarus is D-E-D. Dead. (laughs) (laughs) D-E-D. Yeah, you Pharisees, I wanted to see who was going to... Can you spell me? <laughs> he was dead. I mean, but what's so awesome there is even though he had died and Jesus knew this, what did he say? He'd only fallen asleep. 
But I'm going there to wake him up. It was a death situation, but Jesus did never acknowledge it. Only when they pushed him did he have to say, guys, this is the situation. Amen. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now get this. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Jesus was two miles away. Amen. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When uh, Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Now, again, Jesus knowing that Lazarus was dead, he spoke life. Amen. Now, the word says, and we heard in Joshua, Joshua 1 verse 6, you've got to be strong and of good courage. Only be strong and very courageous to stand in faith, essentially. Right? Because sometimes standing in faith, you have to be brave. Let me tell you what. Amen. You have to be brave to go to a place where everybody's crying and weeping and this girl had died. And she said, hey guys, what's wrong? She's only sleeping. Amen. You've got to be brave to stand in faith and go against the natural and apply the supernatural. You see, family, standing in faith... Listen to me, will look very foolish to the world. Really, it does. But unfortunately, those who see it as foolishness are perishing. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says this. The message of the cross, the gospel, is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. So those who are headed for destruction, the message of the cross, the the Christian life, standing in faith, doing all of these things, it seems like foolishness to them. And they are heading for destruction. You see, family, true faith takes true courage. And for the world that is spiritually dead, our faith looks like foolishness. They are spiritually dead. That's why they do do not have the capacity to understand spiritual matters. And unfortunately, they are on the one track road to hell. Unless they give their lives to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, sorry, uh, 2 Corinthians verse 14. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are only discerned by the Spirit. It's like when I first tried to read my Bible, it made no sense to me. Amen? Everything just seemed absolutely like gibberish. But when I became spiritually alive and got born again, the Word of God began to come alive. Because Hebrews 4 verse 11 says the word of God is alive. It is powerful. It is sharper than its sharpest two-edged sword cutting. Yes, the word has to cut, family. The word has to hurt, family. Not just to just give you a show and make you feel good. Sometimes I have to bring a scalpel. Amen. 
cut you open, remove the bad stuff, but don't worry, we always sew you up again. Amen. Praise Jesus. Like Pastor Theo says, don't run out while you're still on the operating table. Amen. So, so we go back to that scripture and it says, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. I'm glad that he died so that you may believe. So this is very interesting. Now, why would Jesus say this? Why would Jesus be glad that he wasn't there? Because if Jesus was there, he would have just laid hands on him and he would have been healed, right? Amen. But it's, it seems like a strange thing to do that even though you're two miles away, even though you're so close, it's 40 minutes walking distance, that Jesus would leave Lazarus to go through all of this. Why? Because the most important thing to Jesus is that they would all believe and that their faith would grow. Scripture says, Hebrews 11 verse 6, that it is impossible to please God without faith. Because everyone who comes to Him must believe what that He exists. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You see, family, for us to live a life pleasing to God, we need to have faith. We need to actually believe that He exists. And the problem is that most Christians today are very shallow. Very shallow. Shallow in belief. Shallow in faith. Very often it's just a show. Amen? And they believe in God, but they put God in their little box. Their little religious box. Set by tradition, set by boundaries. Not set by the word of God. Maybe on a Sunday they'll let him out his box for half an hour. After church, back in your box. Amen? Most Christians even might call themselves disciples. But like Thomas, who was a disciple, who called himself a Christian, when he heard the news that Jesus had in fact rose from the dead, this is what he says. John 20 verse 25. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands... And put my finger where the nails were. And put my hand into his side. I will not believe. And we see later in scripture when Jesus appeared to them eight days later. He went straight to Thomas. And in John 20 verse 27 he said put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Amen. Thomas then said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus makes this statement, and you've got to catch this. Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed, and we can put only in there, blessed only are those who have seen, have not seen, and yet believed. Amen? Because many Christians only believe it when they see it. That's not faith, family. Amen? We must not have the Thomas kind of faith. We need to believe before we see it. But unfortunately, a lot of us, like me, had to get pushed to a place of absolute desperation. Had to be taken all the way down on our very knees. 
And to finally get to that place where we find God. And then with a conviction say, my Lord, my God. And then we start acting like Christians, finally. Then we finally start praying daily. We finally start reading our Bibles. We finally become dedicated to church. Amen. And we put aside all of the fruitless questions. Amen. So family, faith is so important. And unfortunately, listen, I, the closest I've ever been to Jesus was when I was in trouble. Amen. How about you? Amen. John 11 verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if only you had been here. My marriage would have survived. My business would have made it. If only you had been here, it would have been okay. John 11 verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you only had been here, my brother would not have died. And I think many of us can testify. Can testify to that feeling. We imagine Martha and Mary watching Lazarus day after day, slipping away. Hour after hour, slipping away. Minute after minute, slipping away. Where's God? Where is He? Many think that He's abandoned us. Many think that He doesn't care about us. But the ugly truth is we are the architects of our own destruction, family. Because many other times, Jesus is exactly where we've put him. In his box. Amen. Afar. Only on a Sunday, Lord. Only when it suits me. And we carry on through life. We say, Jesus is our Lord. Is he really? Does your Lord follow you? Or do you follow your Lord? Amen. You need to get the off the throne of your life. You need to put your Lord Jesus Christ, not just Savior, but Lord, on the throne of your life, and you need to follow Him. Many of us are driving through life at the steering wheel. God is just a passenger. Never asking Him, Lord, which way to turn. Never wanting to grow, never wanting to really push in. Knowing the scriptures, not obeying them. And guess what? Life crashes. And somehow we want to blame God. Amen? Amen. Say this. God will never never overrule overrule my free will. will. God is only sovereign sovereign. over a life. Surrendered to Him. Amen? Amen. Verse 33 says, But when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come alongside her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He said, Where have you laid Him? He asked. Come and see, Lord. They replied, Jesus wept. And the Jews said, Look, See how he loved him. Many of you might think, well, why did Jesus cry? 
Why would Jesus be so moved? I mean, surely Jesus knows he's going to raise him from the dead, right? Why would Jesus weep with everybody? How many of you have have children here? Raise your hand. How many of you have cried just because someone you love is crying? Amen. It's like a father will sit next to his daughter and weep because her little precious doll has broken and his daughter's heartache moves the father so much. And just out of a heart of compassion, he would weep for his precious children. Amen. God is so madly in love with you. He is so madly in love with mankind. He sees your tears, family. Verse 37, here comes the negative. And the always critical people looking at the situation. The naysayers, no faith, saying, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Amen. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone, stony heart maybe, laid at the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, By this time there is such a bad odor. For he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Come out of the depression. Come out of the tomb of sickness. Come out of the tomb of fear. Come out of the tomb of a broken heart. Amen. Amen. And his hands and feet were wrapped and bound with strips of linen and a cloth over his face. And Jesus said, take off the bondages. Take off the grave clothes. Let him go. Family, and maybe there are some of you today who are facing troubles and it feels like it's slipping away. Feels like it has slipped away. Maybe your troubles are so bad it's got the stench of four days dead in the tomb. But I want to tell you today that Jesus is the answer. That Jesus can restore that which was lost even though it seems dead and decayed. But he said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? You see, family, we have to first believe. We have to first believe that he actually exists. Not within our boundaries, but believe that he is God. And that he is a rewarder, a good God, a loving God. Family, God has never been far from you. He has seen your tears. He has heard your crying. He has felt your pain. And like that father with the daughter with a broken doll, he has wept 
for you. But you need to roll away the stone. You need to allow Jesus in. You need to repent of living apart from him. You need to repent of all the things that's holding you back. And then, like Jesus said there, the grave clothes will come off. So family, today, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to come right with God. I want to give you an opportunity to be brave in your faith. I want to give you an opportunity to come, stand in front, and I'll pray for you, and I'll lay hands on you, and I believe in Jesus' name that you will be set free, that dreams will be restored, that God will come into your life, come into your your, your homes come into every part of it. It's time to put Jesus back at the steering wheel. Amen. It's time to stop playing games. It's time to surrender to Him. It's time to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. Forgive me for my fornication. Forgive me for the adultery. Forgive me for the bitterness. Forgive me for the lust. Forgive me for the pride and the self-righteousness. Forgive me for putting you in a box, Lord. Today, I roll away the stone. I allow you in. And I declare that I am free. And so in a moment, Cornell, you're going to move that camera. And I'm going to give you that opportunity to come. To come and stand here. And I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to lay hands on you. According to Scripture, the Bible says Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And so I'll be doing that as well. But Jesus said this, those who are thirsty, come. Come drink. Come and drink. Come and drink. We trust that you are truly blessed and encouraged by this message. If you would like to find out more about Christ Encounter Ministries in Longabon, please feel free to check out our website at ChristEncounter.co.za.